You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thanks for checking us out this week. Truly appreciate it. As always, per usual, a lot going on in this crazy sport of ours, and we have a pretty darn good show lined up for this week, if you ask me. Of course, the big news of the week that everyone's been talking about, I've been talking about it countlessly with people. We did quite a bit on Between the Links as well. Nick Diaz looking to return in early 2021. The panel that consisted of Jed Mishu and Sean Rossap, not all that confident that this happens. In fact, they believe it absolutely will not happen. Me being more of the positive presence, I'm more in the cautiously optimistic category, but if you want to get our thoughts on it, check out BTL and uh, and see what everybody had to say. It's actually pretty funny, and it makes a good amount of sense, pretty much every take on it, but we'll see if it happens. It's great news for everybody, but uh, a lot of combat sports action this week. We have LFA, BKFC is back this weekend. Bellator has two events this weekend on Friday and Saturday from the Fight Sphere at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. That will include Phil Davis versus Leoto Machida 2 on Friday night in the battle for the vacant Bantamweight title on Saturday. Great fight. Probably the best fight of the entire weekend. Juan Archuleta and Patchy Mix in the UFC, of course, is back with another card on Saturday night as well. Michelle Watterson versus Angela Hill is the main event for that card. I'm telling you, I saw people complaining about the card once Glover Teixeira tested positive for COVID-19 and his fight with Tiago Santos was moved till October. But I got to tell you, if you really look up and down this card, this one has the makings to be really exciting. It's one of those don't sleep on this type of events. I mean, there's some really good fights. Co-main event between Kama Worthy and Otman Azatar is awesome. So this should be a lot of fun. Don't sleep on it. But uh, a lot to get to this week. So let's run down the lineup and get to our first guest. Rounding us off is the NMF slash nicest MFR champion, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We'll check in with him, see how he's doing, get his thoughts on an ever-evolving welterweight division, Nick Diaz's potential return, and much more. Mackenzie Dern is back in action next weekend, September 19th. She'll take on Random Marcos. And a big one at 115 pounds. She'll join the show for the first time a little bit later on. It's been a crazy nine days or so for William Knight. He goes back on the Contender Series last week. Not this past Tuesday night, but the one before. Gets in danger against a tough guy in Cody Brundage. Which, if you follow William Knight's career, this is nothing new to William Knight. But as he's done so many times before, he battles back. Finishes the fight. The developmental deal becomes a full-on... 205 roster spot and his octagon debut is already set against alexa kamer at ufc 253 on september 26th so we'll check in with the nightmare to recap the win and preview his octagon debut speaking of wild stretches of time that can be said for julia avila as well she was on this program a few weeks back it was an incredible interview talking about her fight with nico montano that was scheduled for september 5th at the time it had already been moved once and as you know by now, like 
it seemed like a day after that interview actually aired, Montano tests positive for COVID-19. The fight gets moved to October 3rd. And then after that happened, it appeared Montano wasn't going to be able to obtain a passport to head to Abu Dhabi to fight on October 3rd. And it just kind of turned out that Shajara Eubanks was supposed to fight last weekend against Carol Rosa. She lost her opponent. It was a bad wake up for Carol. She was hospitalized. Hopefully she's doing better. That happened last Thursday after the virtual media day. So now Avila versus Eubanks will go down this Saturday. So a lot of movement, but that's a great fight. I spoke with Avila on Friday for a few minutes. Right after we recorded the previous show, you'll hear that conversation around 20 minutes. But first, if you've been following my career for a long time, even before MMA fighting, you know that I've been speaking with one Gerald Mearshart for a long time now. Again, another example of an athlete having a weird, wild adventure in our sport. And after everything that has happened with positive COVID tests, fights falling out with Ed Herman, GM3 is now going to fight Hamzat Shamayev next weekend in Las Vegas. It's the veteran versus the super prospect. So I figured it was the perfect time to have him back on the show. So we're going to kick things off with the one and only Gerald Mearshart right now on What the Heck. All right, back of the show is Gerald Mearshart. He's been the talk of the town as of late, as on September 19th, a little over a week from right now, he's going to take on Hamzat Shamayev in Las Vegas. It's been a, a wild month, to say the least, for this man, that's for sure. Gerald, good to see you, man. How are you? Good to see you again, Mike. How you been? I've been all right. Uh, haven't had a crazy stretch of time like you've had, but uh, where are you right now? It doesn't, uh, you know, this is a different kind of a setup. Where are you right now? What are you doing? Yeah, right now I'm in a hotel room in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm down here with uh, Duke Rufus and uh, working with him and Tyron Woodley and Dean Thomas. So obviously we're fighting on the same card. Tyron's the main event, so we're all helping each other get ready for September 19th. Nice. So I wake up this morning, Gerald, and I'm getting ready to start my day. I usually just kind of lay back and scrolling through stuff like I normally do and I see you're all over the interweb. You're doing interviews with everybody, doing interviews with ESPN. All the Johnny Come Blatelys are coming out to talk to Gerald Mearshard now. Like, what have you made of, of all this attention over the last five to six days? Ah, I love it. I love that finally I get to be in the spotlight a little bit. And, you know, uh, I saw a comment on something I did. It's like, oh, I never heard this guy talk before. Now I'm a fan. It's like, well, give me the mic and let me go and <laughs> I'll get some more fans. So, I mean, as people know, it's, it, this kind of all began on August 1st. You're supposed to fight Ed Herman, and then we find out about the positive COVID test hours before this event is about to start. Then the fight is rebooked with Ed for this Saturday, and he's on his third different opponent now. I'm curious, was it precautionary reasons that led to you not fighting this weekend? Because we've heard stories about, I guess, like lingering positive tests lasting for weeks, in some cases a month or more. Is that what happened here? That's exactly what happened. I, I kept coming back with positive tests, and it was one of those things. I talked to my manager uh, and my coach, and you know, I had to quarantine for two weeks first of all. So, I, you know, I'm still training at home. I got a little home gym. You know, it's not the same necessarily, but I'm still doing something right. And for me, I was very fortunate that my symptoms. I had like a stuffy nose for a couple of days. That was it. So that wasn't a big deal. But, um, you know, after not being in the gym for so long, I. Uh, was trying to see if maybe we could fight at a later date, but they needed him to fight like very, very soon. And I was like, well, I keep coming back, you know, even before that, I keep coming back with these 
positive test. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste the UFC's time. I don't want to waste Ed Herman's time. Go all the way out there, you know, because at this point, all I knew that was happening is that they were still testing people when they got to the venue. So now we're doing uh, testing before they even fly us out, which is very smart on the UFC's part, you know, see if you can figure it out before you even get there. Because in this case, I was over, you know, all the doctors I talked to, they're like, you can go back to normal doing whatever you want. It's just that I know I can't fight if I have the positive test. So, you know, it'd be different before I didn't test positive till like literally I got woke up at 8 a.m. the day of the fight. And they were like, hey, you tested positive last night. Run down here. We're going to test you again. We'll have the results back in four hours. Hopefully it was a, a false positive, but ended up not being that way. So here we are. That's craziness. Have, have you taken other tests since then? Like, are you good to go now? Uh, I took a couple tests and got negative um, pretty much after we had made the decision not to take the September 12th fight. And I was like, well, of course, right after I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I keep testing positive, probably shouldn't do it. And then, you know, the week following, I get a couple negative tests. And it's like, well, I already said, no, I'm not going to, you know, jerk their chain back around and forth. But luckily they needed a replacement for somebody else. And, you know, I get a little more time to train. So I'm not mad about that. I mean, the fight with that Herman got a lot of people excited. It was kind of like a a low-key banger that everyone just kind of got fired up about. But this is a super interesting situation you're in now because now you're facing a guy in Hamzat Shemaev who has guarded all this buzz over the last couple of months after jumping on Fight Island and getting a couple of finishes in like a week and a half. First off, when you and your team were approached about this fight, how surprised were you that Shemaev was the other name on the contract? Was that surprising to you? Uh, Yeah, I never... You know, I when I had seen him and he said he'd go back and forth, you know, just offhandedly, I was like, oh, I'd fight that guy if he, you know, tried to take an 85 fight, especially with all the steam behind his name and everything. But I never thought that it was going to happen, especially this quick. And then, you know, I found I found out maybe a day before the Internet did. I think, like, they started breaking news about this on, like, Wednesday or Thursday. And I find I think I found out, like, Tuesday maybe or something like that, signed the contract a couple days after. So, you know, I found out pretty much with you guys. <laughs> There's, like you said, there's there's a lot of buzz around him right now because of those two fights, and and this doesn't happen all that often in our sport to this extent after only two fights. With Hamza, like, why do you think that is? Like, do you get this appeal, or are you more in the why is this a thing camp? I understand why. You know, I've been around long enough, and I've seen the direction the sport has gone, and like the the way the UFC likes to build people up, and it makes sense. He's young, he's undefeated. Uh, you know, he had two very quick fights back to back where he looked very dominant, and a lot of you know because they were so quick back to back, a lot of people overlook the opponents they had. Right? He had a guy that moved up from lightweight to welterweight that you know wasn't a challenge at all. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe that guy had a bad night, maybe he's different, but from what we saw on that night, it didn't look like it was, you know, much of a challenge. And then he fought a guy who was an 85er, you know, it looked like he had a tough weight cut, and really his thing is more he likes to stand and bang. So, you know, it's pretty pretty easy work if you're a competent grappler, and clearly it was. So that being said, you fight fast enough, people overlook those two things. And on top of it, you fight just like a guy who's a champion right now and also undefeated. You know what I mean? In this case, because most times, you know, people want to see guys stand and bang and knock each other out, right? Well, you fight exactly like Khabib, and you're also undefeated from the same area. You're, you know, he's doing the I, I will smash him, same whole shtick. Of course, they're going to take it and run with it. 
you've been in this situation a few times in your career when it comes to fighting guys with a little bit of hype behind them. Like your UFC debut comes to mind because I remember covering that event in Albany and the Joe Gelati story. You know, people were talking about him and you went in there and did your thing. But there's one fight specifically that sticks out to me, and that was before you got in the UFC. 2016, you're getting ready to fight Sidney Wheeler. He's 5-0. and Everybody's talking about this guy as a young up-and-coming prospect. I, I remember the promotions reaching out to everybody. You got to talk to this Sid Wheeler kid. He's 20 years old. The kid's a savage. He's got to be in the UFC. And then you go out there and you finish him in the first round. And then Brendan Allen finishes him in the second round. And then since he's fought you, he's been 3-4. and four. And coincidentally enough, his last loss was in 35 seconds to Hamzat Shemaev in Brave, which is crazy. Like, does this situation feel similar to the Wheeler one, but just like on a bigger scale? A little bit, yeah. I, I definitely think Hamzat's going to be tougher for sure, right? You know, Sid had a lot of hype behind him. Uh, and not saying he was like bad. Obviously, he wasn't like a low-level local fighter. He had some wins at the time, right? But, you know, that next step up is a little bit different. And um, like I said, we both finished him in the first round. Uh, Hamzat finished him in 35 seconds really quick. However... In that fight, Sid came at him and threw his little flurry of punches. He didn't like that. You know, he kind of freaked out for a second and then shot in, and then obviously it didn't really matter much because it was over real quick. I came at Sid when I fought him and tried to take his head off. And then when he took me down, I was like, all right, fine, I'll just snap your arm. And, you know, I ended up getting the submission. So it, it took maybe a little bit longer, but I was the aggressor from bell to bell, whereas Kamzat, like, he took a little bit to get going. Well, once he got going, he was fine. So did you take anything away from Sid's performance that maybe you'll be the aggressor in this one as well? Ah, uh, not really. I mean, that's all that that kid does, right? And you know, that's true. Him doing that doesn't really. Well, I'm just being honest. True. No, you're right. You know, my yeah, my game plan has nothing to do with that. So I got again. I'm a pretty well-rounded guy. Yeah, the only wins I seem to be allowed to have in the UFC or finishes. So you know, I I definitely don't want it to go to decision. Right. But I'm also dangerous everywhere. I've knocked people out. I've submitted them from my back from being on top, you know, after ground and pound, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, he's got to worry about me more than I got to worry about him as far as he does the same exact thing every fight. He's going to drop to his knee, shoot a double leg. And if he doesn't get that, he's going to come up to a body lock and then he's going to get you down. He's going to try and lace your legs up with his legs or he's going to try and wrist ride from like a referee's position and hit you until he chokes you. Well, I'm not going to be dumb and go right to my hands and knees and try and stand up the way he wants. I can submit people off my back. I can definitely submit him off my back, so I'm not worried about it. So he's got to think about, you know, what way is this guy going to try and finish me and how do I navigate that? The other piece of the story that you've talked a lot about over the last several days is the fact that Hermia has a fight with Damian Maya already on the books after he fights you. Now it's going to take place in November. You felt disrespected, disrespected by that and understandably so. But on Tuesday night, Dana White is speaking with the media after the contender series. And he was asked about that specifically and said, in essence, it's not disrespect. You know, it's just that Dana, I'm willing to roll the dice on a guy with that kind of confidence. He can't prove he can do it if he doesn't get the chance to do it. So did you hear or see those comments? And if so, does it make you feel any differently about it? Uh, I saw the quote and a, a little clip with it. So on one hand, you know, you want to be a good promoter. You you got this opportunity, right, that you can build this guy up and, you know, in essence, set him on a track to make him a superstar. So why wouldn't you do that? Totally get that from a business perspective. On the other hand, it also kind of sounded like uh, you ever seen Talladega Nights? 
Yeah. Kind of like Ricky Bobby was like, just because you say no disrespect, you can't then say something super disrespectful afterwards. <laughs> it's like, it's not disrespectful, but I'm definitely going to do something that most people consider disrespectful right after. So a little bit of a double-edged sword there. This is going to be your 45th professional fight, which is wild to even think about at this point because I've been following you for a while. The Duran win fight earlier this year, I remember speaking to you about that. You were fired up for that one. You wanted to kick his ass because of the trash talk. It's things to say even before he made his UFC debut before the Eric Spicely fight. You were really fired up for that fight. How would you compare this fight with Shamayev to the Duran win matchup with how you feel internally about it? Uh, I'm even more fired up for this one, honestly. I mean... You know, and it's strange, too, because to his credit, uh, Chemayev, like, he hasn't really been saying nothing. Like, he doesn't talk that much, right? And he's he's doing what he should do. He's, you know, from a different place. He's got an accent. His whole mystique is don't talk that much, say the same two things over and over, and then people are going to jump on it as long as you keep fighting how you're fighting. For me, it's a little bit different. But even though he's not, like, coming at me directly – he feels that he can do that. And I know deep down he feels that like, oh, yes, I must use stepping stone to get to Damian Maya. And I'm not cool with that. So now he wants to go from you to Maya to both Diaz brothers. I don't know if you caught that at all. Yeah, I, well, I saw that and he was like, oh, I'll fight both Diaz brothers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. At this point, he's just taking what he's been given and trying to make the most of it. So hats off to him for that. Right. I mean, that wasn't – maybe I would have packaged it a little bit differently – but, you know, again, all he's got to do is say like two or three things and he'll be OK. Will I mean, will the social media warfare game continue to be part of the buildup on your end to this fight? Because you posted some of these funny pictures. They're starting to come out a little bit more and more. I saw the the Thomas, the the train photo with his face on it tilted over. My kid appreciated that, by the way. But, you know, you did a lot <laughs> of it for the Duran win fight. Are we going to see more and more of this leading into next Saturday? Yeah, you know, you might see a couple more. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm, you know, like I said, I've been traveling around a lot, getting ready for this fight. You know, I'll be in Missouri for a little bit, and then I'll head back to home. So if I got some spare time on my hands, you might see a little bit more. Do you have a uh, gambling friends, Gerald? Because right now you're an over four to one underdog in this fight. You have like thirty eight more fights in this guy, and you're a four to one dog. How crazy is that? With all of your experience, like four to one underdog, that sounds a little. A little misguided here, if we're being honest. Yeah. No. Well, I remember someone was asking me about that, and I I think last I heard, he was minus five-something, and I was minus like three or 350. And I, I even guessed offhand. I was like minus six and plus four. And then it was like, oh, you're pretty close. And I was like, of course. Of course I am. So, yeah. any Anyone that likes betting money on, you know, on anything, I, this would be a pretty good bet for you to take right now. There's a lot of upside that people aren't seeing. There you go. I mean, you've done this long enough to know that you can't look past any date or any opponent, regardless of experience. But have you thought about what a win over Shamayev could lead to for you? Like, do you feel like this could launch you into a different place in your career? Oh, it would definitely help a lot. Uh, a lot of people keep asking me, oh, well, if you win, do you want to fight Maya? And look, as far as I know, Maya's staying at 170. And if there's one thing I do know is that I'm not cutting to 170, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not really thinking about anybody else. I'm thinking about uh, Hamzat Chemayev on September 19th. You know, there's to me nothing hap There's nothing after that. Right now, I'm very one-track, singular-minded. That's all I'm here to do. So he can think about how many people he's going to run through by the end of the year. I'm just thinking about him. It's just me and him locked in the cage. 
how's Tyron doing right now? He's got a big one ahead of him. Lost his last couple fights. About to fight Colby Covington. This is the fight we've been waiting for for years now. It's finally going to happen next Saturday. How's he doing? What's his mindset like right now? He's looking good, man. You know what I mean? I, I was with a big part of his camp for the Robbie and Darren Till fights. Um, and he's looking just as good, if not better, than he did for both those fights. You know, his conditioning's on point. The hands are moving fast and in high volume. So if anyone's worried about that, he's, you know, there's a lot of punches being thrown. Like he's mixing it up really well. He, he's definitely going to put Mr. Covington on his butt a few times. Before that happens, you have your own business to take care of. How do you take care of this business? How do you derail this train on September 19th, Gerald? I just got to break him mentally. And I know it's not going to be easy. Look, again, undefeated, tough kid. He thinks he can take on the world. But what's going to happen when he runs into somebody that doesn't lay over for him? What's going to happen when what he wants to do is the worst thing to do for him? I'm going to frustrate him. I'm going to make him make mistakes. And then he's going to find himself in a position he's not used to. And he's going to have to either give up, go to sleep, or he's going to get an appendage broken off. Great stuff there from Gerald Mearshard. I, I think he's he's handling this all in stride and... Let's be honest, I think he's handling it perfectly. He's embracing this underdog role. He's quite frankly surprised he's this much of an underdog. A lot of people, and I think our very own Jed Mishu said this on Between the Links, think Shamayev is just going to destroy Gerald Mearshire, and I think other people agree with that as well, but I wouldn't be so sure about that. I mean, Shamayev could win. I mean, Mearshire could win too. This is, this is a great test for both guys and a very important test for both guys as well, because Hamzat Shemaev already, as you guys know by now, and you heard it in the conversation, he's already got a fight set with Damian Maya in November. So this is a huge one. There's a lot on the line next Saturday night in Las Vegas. As we move ahead to our next chat, we look ahead to this Saturday in Las Vegas. On Friday, we finished recording the UFC Vegas 9 preview show, and... I got to jump on for a few minutes with the Raging Panda, Julia Avila. Once again, she's back in action, taking on Sajara Eubanks. This Saturday night, here it is. All right, so two weeks ago on What the Heck, we had a long, in-depth conversation with one Julia Avila, but things have changed quite a bit over the last 24 to 48 hours. So let us be rejoined by the Raging Panda as she has a new fight. She is no longer fighting Nika Montano on October 3rd because that changed as well from the last time we spoke. She's now fighting Sajara Eubanks next Saturday, September 12th. What a crazy road this has been, Julia. How are you? Yeah, I'm uh, doing great. It's been crazy, but I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm just ready to get in the cage and rage. So when we spoke a couple weeks ago, we had discussed this fight with Nico Montano. It was supposed to happen next weekend, I believe. Or was it this weekend that was supposed to happen? This tomorrow, weekend, right? Yeah. yeah. So tomorrow. Yeah. So so it's Friday as we record this. So tomorrow that fight was supposed to happen. Then, like, days later, we found out it got pushed to October 3rd. When did you find out that that was going to happen, that you were not only getting moved date-wise, you're getting moved to, like, a different part of the world? You're going to Abu Dhabi now. Yeah. So I found out. Thursday before we were supposed to, uh, last week, last Thursday. Um, and so I ended up, uh, so I found out later in the day and I took the rest of the day off of work and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the weekend to myself. And my husband actually locked up the treadmill. I posted something on my Instagram, like there was a lock on the treadmill and I was like, no, we have two of them. 
But anyways, um, so I took a couple days to myself of low to moderate working out. And then I got a call saying, you know, for one reason or another, Nico won't fight on, on October 3rd. And they're like, hey, you want to fight next weekend? Like, okay. I mean, <laughs> so much for taking a break, right? Wow. This is just so crazy because one of the questions I asked him, like, are you convinced that Nico is going to make it to your next fight? And you're like, eh, if she doesn't, then, you know, we'll just find somebody else. And that seemed to have happened here. But, like, how can you describe the feeling right now? I mean, this has been moved three times at this point to different parts of the world. And now you're not fighting here anymore. Now you're moved back up like three or four weeks. Like, how can you describe, like, what has been happening to you here? Because this is wild. Yeah, I mean... I'm getting pulled a lot of different ways, but I'm very grateful that I have an understanding corner um, where all of my coaches are very um, pliable to the situation. Uh, the UFC is helping in trying to find an opponent for me. I mean, it's really weird times, so I can't hold that against them. Um, you know, and if someone doesn't want to fight me, I don't want to force them, right? So, I mean, there are silver linings. I did get a new contract and, um, you know, I do have a fight now. So I, I got to keep positive. That's good. And Sajara Eubanks obviously is a, is a very tough opponent. She could have easily said no to this fight after losing a fight and having a training camp. And now she's going to fight you. You've got to be a ton of respect there. Okay. Being able to be matched up with, with Sarge, definitely a different opponent, different style than Nico was. But how excited are you to fight this kind of a style? It seems like Sarge is in you has fireworks written all over it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know she's very strong. I know um, she's kind of she's ready to brawl like she's ready to go wherever she uh, wherever the fight dictates. I know she's a black belt in jujitsu. Um, she's a Lloyd Irving black belt, and that's nothing to shy away from. So um and I know she like she likes to stand up, and so I think it's going to be a really fun fight for the fans. Um, there's going to be blood, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, none of it's going to be mine. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But um, it'll it'll be fun. I think it's it's a great fight, and it has fight of the night written all over it. Do you like this matchup better than the Nico fight? Yeah, uh, we're both ranked, so it makes sense. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for uh, both of us to showcase what we're capable of doing. I definitely think there's going to be a finish, um, and it's going to be good. It's 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 going to be really exciting. Like I said, really exciting for the fans. Congratulations on the new deal, by the way. So silver linings, we got a new contract. So that's yeah. that's amazing. I assume you're very happy with uh, with how that all worked out in the details of said contract. Yes, I'm very excited. Like I said, the UFC has been. Uh, very supportive with me and they've been helping me out, um, with trying to find opponents and, uh, you know, the 135 division, there's a lot going on there as far as, um, big moves and big fights coming up. So I just got to be patient. Um, hopefully I get the right camp for the right fighter. You know, I'm not going to sit and take a short notice fight against a top 10 opponent. Uh, that's just not smart on my part. Um, I will take uh, you know, that fight in with the appropriate camp, but this is my second short notice fight. And I don't think I've ever fought anyone that I've signed a contract for. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, like I said, strange times, but it'll be good.
Yeah, I think I was trying to do the math the other day after the fight got moved to October 3rd. And I think it was nine changes between opponents and dates up to that point with only one year, like just over 13 months of UFC experience. And since then, I think we're, we're in the double digits now. Yeah. So it's got to be smooth sailing from here, right? Like it can't get any worse. It's all, you know, downhill or uphill, however you want to look at it. Whether it does change or whether it doesn't, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to keep a smile on my face. I'm still going to beat my opponents. I'm still going to be prepared. Um, I fight my fight. You know, I don't, uh, I, I'm very confident in my approach to fighting. So I, I think I'm going to be able to dictate wherever it goes. I, I know I'm going to be able to dictate wherever it goes. So I, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm excited for what the future holds. And I think that, uh, after I win this one, um, I think it's going to prove that I, I, I am going to make a run for that title. Is the Nico Montano thing, has that ship sailed at this point? Can we say that accurately? Unless like, you know, she starts going on a run here. Like, can you say that at this point that this, this thing's done at this point? Ah, uh, nah, yeah, it's done. Um, I was really bummed out. Uh, I was kind of looking forward to, to seeing her. Um, so I, I don't try to make this public or anything. Uh, but for my opponents, I'm very grateful for every single one of my opponents. And I usually try to give them a gift. Um, I don't do it at the exchange because I don't want to get notoriety for it. But, um, I bought Nico a freaking uh, ukulele. I mean, it's a cheap ukulele, but I bought her a ukulele, and uh, now I don't know what to do with it. I don't play the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't blocked, know. Maybe... She blocked me on all social media. What? Why? Well, I mean, you don't know. Did you say? Because I don't think you said anything. Like I looked, I don't think you like said anything disparaging. Where she, maybe she's just playing an early defense or something. I don't know. Wow, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. I, I, I mean, I'm not in it for the drama or anything and I'm up a ukulele. So that's, that's cool. Maybe Sajara plays the, the ukulele. Uh, I kind of want to make her like a face mask, but I don't want it to be weird. So I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't want a secondhand gift or gift, send a gift to, to Sajara. I understand. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That too. So how how are the masks going? Are you still staying busy with that? I know you've got like 18 different fight dates to prepare for, so it's probably thrown it off a little bit, but how's that all going? Um, so I just do one-off ones. I, I make them, I, I'm not making them in bulk anymore, but I do make them for people whenever they ask for them. And now it's so easy to get one. So not many people are asking for any, but um, I just recently donated, I want to say 30 to um, Tenaciously Teal, which is a, a nonprofit cancer um, or uh, uh patient organization here locally that one of my friends runs. So yeah, I'm still making them and here and there. There you go. Did you, Oh, by the way, you, did you get to use that second treadmill while the, he, your husband locked up the other one? I'm curious. I used one of my spin bikes instead. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't watch my interviews. So I, I, I made sure to keep it clean and everything. Cause the way I got caught was he said, did you use the treadmill? There's sweat stains around it. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was the dogs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I see one of the dogs is kind of, so we, we saw the dog right before we hit record here. And I think he's just lounging out right now. Let's yeah, see. Yeah, he's hanging out. Uh, yeah. Oh, they both are. Wow. What are their names? This one's Rebel. Rebel. Um, this one, the little blue one, she's a uh, pirate. Hi. Pirate and Rebel, yeah. huh? 
Where do those significant, any significance behind those names? Or are you just, that's what you felt at the time? Uh, he was named after my high school mascot. Nice. Um, and then pirate, she has a little, uh, black patch over her eye. So hi. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so when do you head out to Vegas? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Man, this has just been a crazy road for you. I'm glad you got a fight. This seems like the stars align in the right way for you. You got to fight in kind of a style that that suits your needs better than you've had in your UFC career to this point. So I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you giving me time and, and, and talking about this, especially since we spoke two weeks ago for, for nearly a half hour about all sorts of topics. But your world just continues to change, Julia. I appreciate it very much. All the best to you in Vegas. And, and hopefully we're good to go here. I'm knocking on, uh, I'm knocking on some wood for you. Yeah, Sarge is reliable, so I'm, nice. I'm excited. I know I'm going to see her there. Always such a del- uh, delight. Julia Avila, I cannot wait for this fight with Shajara Eubanks. It's one that could certainly steal the show in a, in a pretty loaded card. I'm, I'm very excited for that one. But one man looking to steal the show at UFC 253 in a card that is capped off by two world title fights will be promotional newcomer-ish. I mean, he did have a developmental deal, but... William Knight, what a crazy week it has been for him. Let's check in to recap his big contender series win over Cody Brundage. There you go. And previews Octagon debut September 26th with Alexa Kamer right now on What the Heck. All right, what a week it has been for this man. William Knight gets another victory, an official full-on UFC roster spot, and already has his Octagon debut booked at UFC 253 later on this month. William, how are you, man? Crazy week. I'm good. I'm good, man. It's, it's, it really is a crazy week. <laughs> For sure. I mean, besides crazy, like how else would you describe this week? Because it started less than in an auspicious way on the day before the fight with Cody Brundage. You missed weight on your first attempt. You nail it on the second try. Did you did you know that you were going to miss there? Like, how did you react to that whole situation before you were able to to hit the weight there? I already knew I was gonna make weight. It's just that I ran out of time. I'm not. I'm not. The sauna. The sauna situation was just really it. Like I already knew I was gonna make weight. Like I was still peeing and everything else. So it was really just me running out of time. I went to sleep and and fucked up on a little time because my time difference is a three hour difference in Connecticut than it is in Las Vegas. So my phone was set a certain way, and that shit threw me off completely. To catch up to three hours. It was like, oh, damn. I was 207.5, went out there 206. I could have been 205. I could have went to 204, 203. That's how much water and I still had left to cut. So it's not like I sat there and was, oh, I can't cut anymore. I got it done. Like People people in this world need to understand. I made weight. Right. I never missed weight. <laughs> I made weight. And through a pandemic, I made weight. With, with being restricted, I made weight. Being almost 260 pounds again because I had no gym. The foods were empty and shelves in the whole nine and I had to eat what I had to do. I made 205, 206, and I'm going to do it again in another three weeks. You took on Cody Brundage, who was getting a lot of buzz over the last year. He comes out very aggressively, which kind of surprised me. He shot, goes for a takedown, has your back, looked close to finishing the fight, but then... It was like deja vu of your CES fight with Rocky Edwards. You're able to keep Cody's arms tied up. He was unable to land any more damage. And in that moment, you looked like you were just like chilling at the beach in that spot. Like how much trouble were you actually in there yeah. when he was raining on those shots? 
So when he was hitting me, I was talking to Herb Dean. I told him I was fine. So me talking to him was a game changer that people understand. Like, if a ref sees you not responding and you're just flustering, then of course they're going to stop the fight. But you can land 100 shots at me. What are those 100 shots if they're not affected? You see what I'm saying? So as I'm blocking, I'm talking to Herb Dean saying, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm talking to him. So after after the situation at hand, I'm like, oh, I'm in, I've been in this position before. I can either bridge up or give him my neck or lock his arms down. So I chose to lock his arms down. So that was the idea at hand. So after I did that, I was in that situation already twice, actually. Jamil, I was in that situation with Jamil, and I was in that situation with Rocky Edwards where the grappling exchanges wasn't, wasn't to my caliber because they caught me, they caught me, I would say, off guard. They talk a good game about striking and then it turns into a grappling match. So it's like, oh, okay. I thought we were gonna we we're gonna stand up for it, but they go directly for the shot. Which was kind of something you expected too, because you're both in a in a weird way cut from the same cloth, right? Yeah, like people scream, oh, NCAA champion, division one this, Olympic hopeful that, blah, blah, blah. You can't count me out because at the end of the day, you see where I come from and what I've done. And it's like, what if I was able to go to these colleges? What if I was able to get the opportunities as you, like you did? You can't count someone out because you had the opportunity and they didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I come from a family that we make do with what we have. You know what I'm saying? We make do with what we have. As long as there's a roof over my head and everything else, that's what my grandmother cared about and my aunt and my uncle that was taking care of me. That's what they cared about. So you can't sit here and be like, oh, I was an NCAA wrestler and this, that, and a third. Dude, I wrestled many people in different tournaments from all kinds of levels, and I pinned them. Like, I can keep up with whoever I want to keep up with. I know for a fact that my wrestling, I could have been in the Olympic. I could have been on an Olympic team. People keep thinking that, oh, it's easy to talk about. I know the work I put in behind closed doors. I could have been on the Olympic team if I knew what doors to walk through to get there. I could have been in a Division One school if I understood what was going on, scholarships the whole night, but I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't told these things. My wrestling coach, Mr. Navarro, had brought that to my attention, but it was already too late. Well, luckily you've chosen a different path and it's paid off for you because, you know, you're able to thwart his wrestling abilities and – as you're talking to Herb Dean, you're telling him that you're fine. You get back to your feet. He shoots again. And then you start landing those William Knight elbows to set up the beginning of the end of the fight. I mean, going through the adversity and getting the win, it, this is like the way it should have been, William, for you. I mean, I feel like this was, in a strange way, the kind of fight that defines you as a competitor. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's accurate. Like, I respect you, Mike. I, I respect you. You know why? Because you actually do your research. You've seen I've been in worse positions. You got Terrence fight. Look at Terrence. I was in some, some, yo, he's about to lose positions. Got out. Jamil, I was in some deep and deadly headlocks with a guy who had almost 60 pounds on me. Because people don't know, I made 205 that day. And I was going up to CES when they told me that I was fighting heavyweight. And your boy, and I still weighed in drinking a little water from there. Like literally that day I was 205 that day. And I went against this guy that they brought in with, with the credentials he had, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I sat here and fought no bums. Like, 
And then Rocky Edwards, this, where he comes from, the people he fought and the skill level he has. People got to realize I've only been doing this for four years. For 10 years, out of school, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I wasn't in the gym. I wasn't lifting weights. I wasn't training. I was just gaining weight and playing video games. And one thing led to a next. And I, I got introduced to Iron Will Fitness and Thornton's Mixed Martial Arts Fitness and those two head people created such a monster in myself, me. When did you like, when did you feel like this was the right move for you? Like you, you, you talked about how pivotal these coaches were for you. Obviously you've aligned yourself with some, with some really strong people, Tyson Chartier, you gave him a heart attack on Tuesday night. That's just the kind of guy that he is wearing that backwards hat. You know, when did you know, like, this is it, man. Like you had the confidence, especially after not doing something for that long, once you got out of school, like, when did you know, like, this is, this is it. Like I found my calling here. Yeah. So me, the life is the, the life experience that determines a fighter. You got to realize, like people don't realize there's even you, me and you could sit here across from each other from the cage. And clearly I'm going to look like the guy that's going to win. Right. For all I know, you've been through something worse than me in life that, that, you're, that, that puts you in a situation where, you won't let me win. I, I, it just can't. You've been through so much. What's 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 that sense of getting your hands raised? Like just that confidence to let you know that there's still a chance out there in the world. So that's where I come from. My my years of growing up as a child, th- those were my hardest fights. Me fighting in the cage is the easiest thing I could do. Like I train every day for this. I'm in the gym. I call my coach. I'm with Carmen. I'm with Ed daily. Day in and day out, like people say, oh, it's a job. I actually enjoy this. This is, it's not just a job to me. It's something, this is my getaway. This is my getaway. This is my little chance to, to sit here and actually express. That's the word I'm looking for. I get to express what's been buried inside me for years. I get to do it through the beautiful art of fighting. That's exactly how it is exactly that way. So when you see the aggression, when you see the speed, the power the wittiness to overcome. That's all me. That's my true expression of who I am as a person. So for 10 years, I sat there just letting myself go. And I just said to myself, I need to do something. I'm a competitor. I like, I miss the, miss being, doing competition. So I looked into fighting and things because wrestling was the only thing that I could try to look up. Like, I like that sense of being able to control your, your output, what you're going to do and the outcome. I didn't have to rely on the team. And then one thing led to a next and I went from being on mats to into a cage. You've told your story a few times, like if people Google William Knight and your story, they'll be able to find it. But some people are seeing you for the very first time here, or they saw you on Tuesday night for the first time and they want to hear more from you. So what was the breaking point for you? Cause you said like you put on this way, you let yourself go. And then finally you were just like, all right, I, I have to do something here. Do you remember like the certain breaking point for you? Yeah, I do actually. So I was in, it was 2011 actually. It was 2011 when I seen a photo of myself from high school. I, it was in my yearbook actually. And then I didn't pay no attention to it. And 2015, 2016, when I was helping move, that same photo fell out of the book and I'm just sitting there looking at it. And I'm like, 
dude, look at me on the wrestling team and smiling with my my varsity suit on and everything. And I was just a monster. And I'm like, looking at myself like, how did, how did, this, how did I let myself get to this? Like, I really was smiling and laughing. I was going crazy for a little bit in my head. Like, that's me. That's me. I'm looking at myself right now. The big difference between being 196 pounds and being 297 pounds, I really sat there and looked at myself and I told myself in the mirror, like I looked at myself and said, nah, you got to change. It's time to get back to your old self. And then I said, nah, I don't want to be my old self. Let's be better. And I just kept saying that over and over. I'm like, let's get, let's be better. Anybody who watches Dragon Ball Z, that goes deep, man. That goes deep. Trust me. Watch Dragon Ball Z when the first season. Watch the Vegeta saga. Like, listen to how Vegeta is and how he is as a character, how he built up and how he made these changes to himself to become better. That's me. That's me. That's why Vegeta is such a character that stands out to me. I have so colleagues. I have colleagues who are going to be all over that statement. By the way, as soon as you said that, be like, "Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about." Now I have to go back and, and do some more research for our next conversation. What was that first day like, man? Like when you said, "I'm going to make the change." Day one's always the hardest one. You got to get out of bed, and then once you get out of bed, like it seems a little bit easier. Like for me, I hate like running and stuff, but I I know I have to do it. So I wake up at six a.m. and I try to go for a run, but I put my phone across the room. Because if the phone's next to me and the alarm goes off, I'll just turn it off and go back to sleep. If I put it yeah. across the room, I got to get up and go. What was that first day like for you? Like knowing that you were about to embark on this this new journey? I literally cold turkeyed, which I never knew was going to be a big mistake. But I cold turkey. So what happened was I instantly stopped eating junk food. Like I got rid of my junk food, all that stuff. I started I, that same day I ate a salad from morning till night. I was eating a salad. Every time I got hungry, though, it wasn't the every two hours or the portion stuff. Like, I was eating a salad. Then, out of nowhere, I went to the YMCA and put the treadmill on and started running. The worst mistake of my life. My shins were burning. My legs were burning. It felt like fire ants were biting on through my skin. It was the... My lower back started hurting because I'm all, I'm this weight. My knees started hurting. It was bad the first day. But that first day almost kept me from the second day. <laughs> so I was I was real beat. I was like, yo, I don't know what I just did, but I'm hurt. I had to go to work. I was limping. People were asking, what happened to you? Did you have, you were at the party? You drunk? I'm like, nah, man. Like, I literally cold turkey. I was eating salad all day yesterday, thinking I was cool, drinking water. And I literally started my first workout with a 6.5 run. Even though I was tired, I would grab onto the thing and run, run, run. No incline, nothing, because I didn't know the incline would help save your knees and everything else. So that first day was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, nah, I can't do this on my own. And that's that's when I had to go search for like alternatives, and I found Iron Will Fitness. That's amazing. And, you know, th- this journey has been, been, been pretty crazy for you. It hasn't taken a long time, and... You were in the Contender Series last year, as everybody knows, and you were already signed to the UFC after that fight. You know, you got a developmental deal. And, and people don't understand, like, when you get a developmental deal, like, you are signed to the UFC, 
but you're just kind of putting the use out of test pool. Right. Oh, speaking of that, let me tell all my haters something. Okay. Let me tell you guys something real quick. I never in life used a fucking steroid. Sorry for swearing. I okay. never used a steroid. I never, I don't even know about cycling or whatever that shit is. I'm I'm reading these things online. I'm actually learning more from these idiots than I have in anyone because I don't use steroids. I never even knew what these things were. The enhancements and stuff, they're like, oh, steroids could be used for recovery. Like, I'm literally learning from these people. So let me explain something to you guys. One, I never use steroids. My genetics and my family is ridiculous. My dad, my brother, my cousins, my cousins are six foot five and they're big too. Like, think about this. They're six foot five, six foot five and a half, six four, six three. These dudes are no joke. These are my cousins. My brother's six one. He's just like me. So you mean to tell me, me, I'm one of 14 siblings, by the way. I'm one of 14. So think about this. Me and my siblings, even my sisters. My sister Chelsea was in, um, she does gymnastics. She's a monster. You're telling me that that means all of us are using steroids because I'm not the only athlete in my family. My, I got a sister. I got cousins, the whole nine. One, two, I never use no steroids or enhancements. I don't, don't believe in that shit. Like, I truly believe in my mind, even when I get sick and stuff, I don't use medicine. I, I can't and I refuse to use anything that's going to help me get better or help me heal or whatever, like medicines and stuff. I don't want to become dependent on anything because when I get hurt and I can't afford it or I can't find something, I don't ever want that feeling like, oh, I need this. I need this. Like, I don't use ibuprofen, Tylenol, none of that stuff, man. I literally don't. And it's crazy because people are really saying I used to cycle. You could tell by his frame. Listen, world, I was... 297 pounds, 297 pounds. I started lifting weights. I tried to build up thinking lifting weights was going to get me to lose weight, but it was actually building my body. That was for the first year. Then Iron Wilsh taught me calisthenics and cardio and diet, which why I look like this. Do not hate on me because I diet and do shit the right way and lose weight, and I, my body looks like this. I am sorry that my body looks like this. I, I'm i telling you, I would choose to look a little out of shape. That way I could probably make 185, but I can't. I can't. Gutting the 205 is it. That's the most healthy state of mind, the healthiest that I can do. And I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm sorry that I look like this. I'm sorry. Blame my mother and blame my father. Well said. So you're telling me the Knight family didn't come down to breakfast, have some bacon and eggs and uh, in a couple of shots of steroids, William? I mean, that's what people think. Welcome to the UFC, man. It's 2020. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy, man. It's, it just sucks that the human world can sit here and watch these people put their life at risk in the cage and then sit here and judge them at the same time from a chair. And they're not even doing shit. Like, it's it's so funny to me because it's like, I'm, I'm looking at the guys making the comments. I'm like, bro, let me get you in the gym and maybe I can save your life. There's those people. And then you got the ones that I've been training for 20 years and you could tell by the veins in his arms that he uses steroids, bro, because I'm vascular. 
So I'm vascular. I'm using steroids. Oh, you guys crack me up, man. That's crazy. I At see a bunch of different posts. Like you guys, you guys are crazy. Even you saw the chimed in and was like eleven months clean with their thumbs up. Like, <laughs> like I've been tested. <laughs> I've been tested six times in eleven months. Never once have I had the fear of testing. I can give you guys blood and urine every fucking month if I have to. It's not a problem. I'm in here grinding. If you watch my social media, you will see exactly why I look like this. But, hey, it is what it is, man. I just wanted to get that out there, you know? You're on their radar hey. now. That's what happens. We, now you're in the UFC. People have to find something to hate. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Um, so we're all watching the UFC Vegas nine broadcast on Saturday. Cause you, we knew as soon as you got the finish over Cody Brundage, that you were getting the full on treatment here and getting into the octagon for your next fight. And we're watching the card on Saturday and we get this announcement that William Knight's going to fight Alexa Kamer at UFC 253 on September 26th. When did this start coming together? William, like you just fought on Tuesday. When were you offered the fight, signed the contract, et cetera, bro. I've been wanting to fight that dude since he fought. I know. Um, Fabio. He said some disrespectful thing in the camera about 205ers, like anybody in a 205 division can get it and blah, blah, blah. Mind you, I just won my debut for my, my um, contender series fight. And then he said what he said, or I think it was vice versa, whichever way. But I swear to God, the way he was looking in the camera, he was looking right at me when he said that. Every single day I kept telling my coach, when, not if. When I make it to the UFC, once we get this contract, it was never if. It was once we get this contract, I want him as my first fight. I am grateful to God. Like, I'm so grateful and just humbled that I got him as my debut fight. He already debuted. But this dude is 6-0. I don't care about no record because any if you can see all the people who are undefeated, I gave him their first loss. I don't care about no wins and loses because you can have a 10 and no record and you could put those 10 fighters, no disrespect. You could put those 10 fighters together. And you'll probably have two and a half, de- two and a half decent fighters. Like people don't understand people stack their record to build that confidence. I already have my confidence. I got my confidence from early stages of life. So when I got him, when, when, when my manager hit me up, I didn't, where was I? I didn't even make it home yet. I didn't even land. <laughs> Actually didn't even land. The second I landed, the text came through the phone, called me as soon as possible. And it was like, boom, how would you feel fighting this guy in three weeks? At first I was like, I don't I don't feel like fighting in three weeks, man. My elbow's a little sore. And I just all that ran through my mind was that little the weight cut and not being able to eat all the my my foods I like. Food? Number one, people, I know you guys can agree with me here. Food is the devil. Food is the devil. Nobody told food to taste this good. I don't, I don't respect food that tastes good and it's not good for you. That's, that's just, a, that's, that sucks. But back to what I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to eat my junk food. I'm looking I'm like, yo, I got food I want to eat, things I want to do, family events I want to go to. Then... He told me the name. I swear to God, my whole demeanor changed. I was like, yo, I'm ready now. 
Let's go now. I'm ready now. I'll wait. When is the fight? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Dude, I'm ready right now. I'm in the, I'm in Iron Will right now. I'm I'm literally in Iron Will Fitness right now. Like people, people, people look, look. I'm in here right now. I'm in the gym now. I just finished doing a crazy session in here, man. I woke up six o'clock this morning, came inside of here in this facility, and I came and put in work, man. I'm I'm ready, bro. Like y'all, I'm 217 right now. I can make 205 today. I'm ready right now. That's how happy I am about this fight. And I guarantee you, I won't let the people down. What'd you think? First fight. I mean, not only do you get the guy you want, but you get to do something that you, you told me you wanted to do before you wanted to travel the world and see new places. And now you're going to see <laughs> freaking Abu Dhabi in your first fight too. Like, what bro, do you think of all that? Dude, the fact that I'm going to fight Island and I'm fighting on the Anasanya card is freaking ecstatic, bro. Like it's ecstatic. Like, I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but it's just... <sighs> Imagine you getting off this interview right now and then your phone goes off and then you look at it and it's a PayPal for a million dollars. That's the feeling I got right now. Wow, I hope I hope I get that feeling. <laughs> That's the feeling I have right now. I'm, really, I'm so happy, man. I'm like, what? <laughs> for what? Who's this generous? Like, you blessed <laughs> me with my... You bless me with my opponent. You bless me with the UFC contract. You bless me with the debut and fight island that everyone's talking about. You bless me to be among the savages of savages. And you bless me with the highlight. This is this card means more to me than what people think. Not only do I make my debut, this day is also the day they crown a new light heavyweight champion. Bro, that's full circle to me. All that's going to do is ignite a flame in me and make me grind even harder, which creating a more dangerous version of me. So I'm grateful. This card is perfection. Like people say perfection doesn't exist. To me, this is perfection. Yeah. I mean, you get Adesanya versus Costa at the top, and then you get Reyes versus Blahovich, like you talked about. I know you like to make predictions on your fights, but do you want to make, do you have any predictions for those fights? Dude, Reyes is in a confidence on his mind where he feels he's the most elite striker in the world. And I feel that might be a downfall because you got a savage who's more hungry than him. So this guy that's coming in, like, you got to realize he didn't get a title shot. This is his title shot. You had a title shot. You fought John Jones. That's a confidence booster. Don't get me wrong. But people got to understand, you can be a lion and get wiped out by hyena. You can't have that confidence. Like, I'm the, I'm the king as if you can't be touched because that the second you get comfortable, I swear to God, the second you get comfortable in your mind is when you start to become, you, you start to beat yourself. People don't realize a confidence can be a strength and a weakness. Do you think Wojovich is going to win? I, I believe he's going to win with a deadly ass knockout, bro. Wow. It's going to be a, uh, a savage knockout. I haven't been wrong yet. I told people Aldo was going to get knocked out by McGregor in the first 30 seconds of the fight because how his hand was shaking at weigh-ins. I'm like, he's going to come in with a wild right and Connor's going to counter him. I'm like, he's a counterfighter. Like, his hand was shaking. I'm like, dude, no, no. Don't let him get <laughs> in mind like that. What happened? Boom, seven seconds. Craziness. Um, 
Do you have an official prediction this time because of what's what's at stake and how much you want this fight? Is there an actual prediction here? The savage in me that I'm going to let out is saying first round, TKO, KO. Like, I'm telling you, it's not going to last five minutes. It's not. I will not allow it. I won't. I already told my coach, yo, hit me when it's the three-minute warning. Then you're going to get everything you would have thought in 15 minutes, in three minutes. Five minutes, that's it. That's all I need. I'm not playing games. This, this ain't no cockiness. This is me saying that that's how much I don't like what that kid said. I think his last fight or the contender series, man, just the fact that we put our heart into it and he just comes in with this cocky ass confidence. Like, yo, it just rubbed me the wrong way. The way he was looking at camera, everything. It's not, I don't dis, I don't dislike him. I just don't like how, how he went about it. Fair enough, which is kind of surprising because I've spoken with him a couple of times and he's a very respectful guy. So it's interesting. Hey, listen, I love it. I love storylines. It makes things bigger for me, makes things bigger for the viewer, makes things bigger for you, him as well. And I'm looking forward to this fight. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. on everything, man. Maybe what I'm a crazy week. What's that? Yeah, maybe I'm taking the personal, but I'm in that 205 division, so. You got to. <laughs> You got it. You got a chip on your shoulder. That's <laughs> You can always get to try to find one of those whenever you can get it. So, Wayne, congrats on everything, man. Looking forward to September 26th. All the best to you in training and safe travels to Abu Dhabi, man. A fired up William Knight is opening up a little bit more. I like that. Big thanks to him as he prepares to make his UFC debut against Alexa Kamer in a little over two weeks' time in Abu Dhabi. Mackenzie Dern is looking to keep her momentum going after a history-making submission win over Hannah Cyphers in her last fight on May 30th, she takes on Random Marcos next weekend in Las Vegas. Here's my chat with one of the top prospects at 115 pounds, Mackenzie Dern. All right, we have Mackenzie Dern joining us. She returns to action next Saturday night, September 19th, taking on Random Marcos. Mackenzie, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Absolutely. The fight is uh, a little over a week away. As most people know by now, you are a, a mom as well as a fighter. How have you been, I guess, navigating this crazy time in the world, this pandemic from not only being a professional athlete and a professional fighter, but also from a, a parent's perspective as well? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like crazy because this is my third fight since I've had a, since my daughter has been born. So every fight, like, it's crazy that it's like I'm getting more organized, our life and things. But it's like every phase of the of her life of her life, it's like new new I guess not obstacle like new obstacles, you know. So um, now she's walking and running around. So it was good like when she just kind of stayed still. Now I'm like training and kind of having to watch her. And now she's doing like some gymnastics and swimming. So the the days a little bit more that I'm kind of like missing the days that she just like, you know, kind of slept and that's it, you know? So we're just adapting and everything. So, so it's good. You know, I'm, I'm having fun. Definitely. I think this, this, um, phase is awesome. She's going to go to my fight. It's the first time she's going to go to my fight since the whole Corona Corona thing happened. Um, but it's, it's crazy, you know, like, um, we want to take her to the playground, but then now I'm like, okay, baby, I don't want to get, um, you know, gonna want to get tested positive, you know? So I'm kind of like having to hold her back a little bit um, the last couple of weeks just to make sure uh, the first fight, right, is uh, to not get tested positive for Corona is okay and then focus the weight care and then focus on fighting Randa. <laughs> 
I have uh, I have a seven year old, so it's crazy to go from like baby stage and then just see them slowly evolving to like little people. Like even as babies, I mean they're little people, but now they're yeah. walking and talking. You're conversing with them. It's crazy, right? And yeah, now she has her. She's starting to get like the molars, you know, the big <laughs> teeth coming in, you know. So she's like trying to bite all the time. I'm like, ah, you know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> So we saw you compete back in May. You took on Hannah Cyphers and you made some history with the first leg lock <laughs> submission in women's UFC history. And you were coming off your first career loss. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah, it definitely was like, I don't think there's a better way to kind of come back from a loss, you know. Um, and like before the fight, Dana, he was in there like kind of um, like not before the fight, but the day before on the after the weigh-ins, he's kind of giving a pep talk to all the athletes, you know, just saying like, man, we're the first sport back on TV, you know, happening, you know, so it's like, it's like, man, OK, so oh, even though there's no crowd, it's like, man, it's almost better than like pay-per-view and all these things. Just everyone's watching, you know, it's like tons of people are watching this. So it's, I couldn't be happier um, to be a submission. You know, I think uh, another girl, Ariane. Lipsky, you know, she got a leg lock maybe three, four weeks later, you know, so like I barely made it, you know, so I'm really happy that to come off a loss and kind of to have all the everyone watching right now, you know, um, because everyone was at home, obviously, um, now things are starting to kind of go back to normal um, and be like a leg lock that I'm, I'm a jiu-jitsu girl, you know, so it was really good to be able to come back from the loss like that, like, okay, I'm still in it, guys, I'm still in it, like, let's go, you know. <laughs> was it kind of a different approach? going into a fight coming off a loss like and you've competed in the jiu-jitsu world for for such a long time it's not like you've never lost before in competition <laughs> but you know in the mma space was there more motivation this time around or did you kind of treat it as just another night in the octagon for you uh, i felt a little bit more pressure and definitely more pressure than jiu-jitsu you know i felt like you know i like seeing people because it's not like oh i'm going to around looking car like people are like tagging you you know and like People say like mean things and they tag you and put, you know what I mean? And you're like, man, and people are just saying like, oh, if she doesn't win this, you know, then she's really, you know, never coming back, you know, and all, you know, and so it was kind of a lot of pressure, you know, and just, you know, I was kind of like at the end of my contract with the UFC. So I really wanted to get a good impression, you know, and I think it was kind of like a personal thing too, you know, like, okay, I, I told it, I came back early, you know, um, four months for me, I didn't feel like it was early, but a lot of people thought that it was early. So I really just wanted to show like, even though maybe I had that loss. Um, and even if I was to lose to Hannah, you know, I still felt I was meant to be there, you know? So I really was just kind of feeling some pressure, like at least to do a good fight. And of course I wanted to win, you know? So the leg lock was just some um, extra, you know? So um, I definitely feel, felt a lot more pressure though than jiu-jitsu. I think just the fans and media and all the, even the UFC, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hard world, you know, <laughs> like just cut, cut, you know, the fans are like, okay, you don't have it anymore. And you're like, man, that fast. <laughs> it's yeah. Because so, so you have a new contract now that yeah. was your last fight. So now you get a new one. Yeah. It was um, actually like, this was the, with Ronda was the last, what would be my last one. But after my last fight, we renegotiated for a new contract. So now I got some more fights in. So I'm excited. There you go. Congratulations on that. I assume you're, you're happy with how this all played out. Definitely. I think that the the leg lock, you know, was a great um, great way for me to be able to negotiate better. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with how it worked out, and I'm excited for the new things that we're gonna do in the with the UFC. You know. Well, good for you. So that fight took place in May. It was like you said, it was the first Apex show during this crazy time in the world. 
and that was around four or so months ago. And, and I know you wanted to turn things around very, very quickly. Still, in any era, this is not a long layoff by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. But Hannah's fought twice since then, which is crazy. Are you happy with, like, the length of time between fights? Or are you hoping to get back in there a little sooner? It's like... I was wanting to get back sooner, you know, it's funny, actually, like my post-fight interview, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm re- I'm feeling good, you know, and just all that adrenaline and all these things. Of course, I want to, I, even if I win or lose, you know, I want to try and fight again this year, too. Um, I've always been used to fighting like three or four times a year, so, um, and being off the pregnancy was a long time. So I was like, yeah, I'm ready to fight, you know, and then they call me like, hey, do you want to fight Randa in two weeks? I'm like, Oh no! Wait. Let, let me think about that. You know, let let me train for this. You know, and I I was sore. You know, I, Hannah got some good um on the clinch work. Some I don't know if it was elbows or knees or something. You know, I was I was sore. You know, so I'm like no no no. Okay, maybe not that soon. You know, so maybe I started wanting to get back too early. You know, and now um and then I'm like no, give me like four weeks, six weeks. You know, and then they end up pushing it more and more. And man, now I couldn't I couldn't be happier. I think it was good, and I think I'm a little bit too anxious all the time. And I think it was really good because now I just feel like I was able to train so much more. And, um, you know, I got my camp kind of was a little bit mixed up and now it's um, a little bit more organized now. So I think everything ended up working out for the best, you know, and I'm able to fight. Renda's a tough girl, you know, she's not just a girl I'm going to say like, hey, let me fight in two weeks. You know, it's a, she's a tough girl and I definitely want to use this to show um, a lot of improvements and stuff like that. And with four months, man, I improved so much, especially with the corona coronavirus happening, you know, just in the gym, in the gym, in the gym. And, and doing my best. So when they offered you the fight for, for like a two week notice, <laughs> I guarantee you that, especially knowing you, you were probably like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And then you had to like slow down a little bit and maybe talk to, to your manager, the great Daniel Rubenstein, and then yeah. he probably put you in a place. Is that kind of accurate if I went down? Exactly. And I'm like, Daniel, oh, and then I'm seeing like Hannah, I'm like, but Hannah fought again. Because after I said the no to the two weeks, I'm like, okay, but in four weeks I can, you know? And like, no, 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 come, let's go come, you know? And I'm like, but Hannah's fighting and I'm seeing all these girls fight, you know? And I'm just like, man, I like, you know, you see everyone fighting, you want to be there. And I'm saying like, what about Fight Island? What about this, you know? And then he's like, explain to me, no, you know, Vegas, it's good, you know? We're not fighting 3 a.m., you know? It's close to the house, not, you know, not 15-hour flight. I'm like, yeah, that's true, you know? And now I'm so happy because my husband's going to go, my dogs are going to go to this fight. Um, Moa's going and... It is. It's better, you know. It's I won in the Apex, so I definitely am happy to be back there. You know, the same energy. Uh, I really liked it, and yeah, I'm definitely. That's why the managers are there, you know, to help <laughs> help take care of the athletes. <laughs> so th- I mean, things got shuffled around a little bit. Like UFC 253 was supposed to be September 19th, and then it got moved to the 26th, and then it got moved to from Vegas to Abu Dhabi. Was there any talk about moving your fight with Randa to Fight Island at all, or was it always Vegas on the 19th and there was no other discussions? Uh, for me, it was they always said was uh, Vegas, you know. I even, like, talked to Danny and said, man, are they going to move ours? Because I think that's a great card, you know. Um, definitely would like to be on the Bohashia and um, Azedania card. You know, it would be awesome to see that fight live and everything. I, I'm so excited. So I was really excited to, for them to be the main event. But then when he said, no, they pushed that one and yours is going to stay here. So, OK, I'm like, that's fine, you know. But uh, from the beginning, they always said it was just going to be Vegas. Well, you still get Colby and Tyron Woodley. That's a that, that's a crazy <laughs> fight, too, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Tyron for sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Tyron Woodley fans yeah. next Saturday, if I'm <laughs> being honest. But yeah, you before. 
before that happens, you know, you're going to fight Randa Marcus. She's, she, I mean, she's, she's been around for a long time. She's had a weird career where she's flip-flopped wins and losses pretty much the whole way, but she gets in these kinds of fights with the Gedalias and the Angela Hills and the Marina Rodriguez's of the world where people feel that she's going to get steamrolled and somehow she comes through. How has the preparation been in lieu of this fight with somebody like Randa? Because I'm sure compared to most of your opponents, Rand is a little bit more of a puzzle than you've probably had to put together in the past. Is that kind of how you're looking at this? Um, I mean, I think definitely she's the most experienced and I think she's going to be the most, um, I guess, like not scared fighter. You know, I think a lot of all the girls that fought me, I I've always felt like I kind of respect, not that Randa doesn't respect me. You know, I, I think for sure she'll respect me, but you know, I, I just think she's seen it all. She's seen everything, you know, she's like you said, she's been like up and down the ring. She's been from the UFC, the house, you know, when they started the strawweight division. So, man, she's been there's nothing that's really going to scare her or anything like that about my name or about my jiu-jitsu background or anything like that. So definitely um, coming into this fight is just kind of um, being prepared to show her like, hey, I, I'm I'm not scared either, you know, and I'm here to fight and I I. I know she's been up, but I haven't been up in the rings yet. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely hungry for this. I don't know how how big, how much she's hungry for, you know, for these wins and everything like that. I think for sure she loves to fight because she always puts on a show. But I definitely think she's had a long career and maybe, you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't know how much steam she has, like, to keep pushing forward and to have the motivation to just keep winning and winning and winning all the time. You know, it's kind of like. Okay, win one and lose one. Win one and lose one. And maybe can be kind of tiring to do that. And I'm just like going up right now. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, compared to the Hannah fight, like with Hannah, you just do like, all right, she's going to stand up. But if this fight goes to the ground at all, like it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened with Randa. It's kind of like, you don't know what the heck she's going to do, right? Like, I don't. She can do anything. Yeah. She can take you down. Yeah, uh-huh. I definitely. I know she's like a grappler, you know, like in the MMA world, you know, so I don't know if she's going to want to grapple. I don't know if she's going to, I think she's going to want to like go the three rounds for a lot of her fights. She, I've seen her, she goes the whole three rounds. She has like a good, good gas tank. Like, you know, you know, always throwing out those punches, kind of a weird style, like a little bit crossing her legs and throwing out some jabs. She knows her distance really good. Um, like I said, she's so experienced. Those are like things. I'm learning to do now, you know, it's like find my distance and learn my range and how to, you know, see everything. Um, so it's definitely going to be a great fight, I think, to see where where I'm placed amongst all, amongst all the girls, you know. Well, you're working with the right person to learn about range and distance, and that is with one Jason Perillo. There's always changes made between every fight, but I did watch your interview with a good friend of mine in the industry, James Lynch, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you told him that you moved and, and started working with Jason, who obviously is, it's 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 a perfect guy to work with in the striking game. But for those who don't know, and I know you've talked about this before, I mean, you have a great relationship with the team over at Black House, but the old the, the striking coach over there and your husband got into a fight like did i hear that right like what happened there if you don't mind me asking yeah i mean black house man they always have their their the academy open for me all the guys man even just like i've been two weeks with jason i'm like already missing the guys like man i miss like from the amateurs to the pros you know just everyone's so so hungry to to win and help me out so much um so i'm i'm definitely always going back there to visit them and say hi and train and um do even do sparring sometimes but uh yeah just my ex-coach um Juan Gomez, he, I don't know, I don't know what happened that he called us to go to the academy to, 
to talk. You know, I think he wasn't happy with bonus and stuff like that, like money wise um, for my last fight. And um, basically, I always like ask my coaches, like, hey, during camp, if you have anything, just talk to my husband, you know. Obviously, at home, me and him talk about everything, you know, so we're the same person, you know, basically. But when I'm in camp, I don't want to have to think about it. You know, I don't want to think about money or, you know, coaches or anything like that. Just just let's just talk about training. So my husband talked to him and my husband's like this surfer guy, you know, totally, you know, good vibes, you know, Afro, you know, definitely not the fighter style. And he went to go talk to him. And he just like, no, if you want to come to the academy, come to the academy and we'll talk and hung up and we went to the academy and just like swept dirt onto my husband, uh, pushed him, and then obviously my husband pushed him back, and then they just went into a fist fight, and I'm just what? like, yeah, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a brawl, you know, uh, crazy brawl it was like um, a street fighter technical fist fight, you know, they're like back and forth. My husband's like doing like things, you know, and I'm like, man, where's he learning all this? You know, <laughs> it was so crazy. And my dad is there, so we were because we were gonna have training, so they were like teachers and I mean students, like other training partners and I think they both kind of thought that they were going to like separate this fight and everyone's just kind of like hey one-on-one like let you go you know my dad's there like trying to coach his son-in-law you know it's like okay turn to your right you're doing good you know and they're like boom you know fighting and my husband did so good and like man as soon as I saw that like man my my coach attacked my husband like that 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 just finished for us you know I can't I love like Black House and everything they done for him, but like with that coach, I can't, I can't work with that. You know what I mean? It's like to attack, no matter how much I don't know if you're mad about it because your bonus wasn't high enough or whatever. You know, like you just can't attack some, you know, someone. Especially when my husband's so humble, like with water and keys in the hand. Like, hey, can we have that talk that you asked me to do? You know, it's like, man, I don't know what happened. So until today, we don't know exactly what pushed to that level. But yeah, like I said, it was. You know, it was two about two weeks ago. So even though it's in the middle of the camp, like man, I just feel so much at a better place. Like Coach Pat from Ruka, the Ruka Gym, Pat, they just opened their arms to me and and accept me. And I just feel like in two weeks I'm gotten so much better too. You know, so it's it's like a blessing in disguise. That is one of the most wild stories I've ever heard. That is so crazy. <laughs> I so I, I assume. <laughs> I wonder if that's happened more, you know, more, but people just don't talk about it, you know, but it's like, man, we, we did nothing wrong, you know, so we have nothing to, to, <laughs> to worry about, you know, it's like, man, there's nothing to hide. It's just, I'm almost like, man, I can't believe my surfer boyfriend, husband, not boyfriend, husband had to like go through this, you know, I felt bad for him, you know, I'm sorry, baby, they had to do, go through this, you know, um, but he's like, no, I love you, baby, I'll do anything our family and that's just like oh, i love you so much <laughs> wow <Yeah>. unbelievable <laughs> so I, I i assume the rest of the coaches at black house understood your decision to leave they're probably like yeah we get it oh yeah for sure i mean from what i heard i don't think he's um able to train at able to coach at black house anymore i think he does his own thing um but yeah i like and like we said he learned from black house he um always says like man the doors are always open for you and so i'm just just because it's getting close to the of my fight i'm just focused on my training at ruka but i definitely after the fight i'm gonna like go and visit them and everything like that but just want distance from my ex-coach you know don't want to be involved in anything like that so yeah well i mean sometimes a change in location leads to like a change in perspective mentally too like things you didn't know before or things that may you may have been taught may may now be presented to you in a different way where it opens up you're like oh yeah that's that's what you meant by that like you can learn a lot as you you're going through right now in a short amount of time is this just been 
a huge eye opener for you working with with guys like Jason and these coaches? Oh my gosh, so much! You have no idea. It's like I like it's just crazy how much information, how much um, yeah, like open eyes. You know, it's a different style, totally different style of coaching of me learning and everything. Um, different energy, so it's just kind of like um, wow, really opened my eyes up to like different things that maybe I wasn't thing that I was doing wrong and like things that now little details that he gave me that like just held my striking so much more you know like I feel way more balanced and way more um I guess not throwing so much like leaning into my punches you know I'm way more like set foot and like just today we're at training you know there's like Luke Rockhold and Cheeto and um Scott Eastwood you know and just all these guys Alan goes there are all these people at the training and we're just all changing and for exchange information and having fun and and coach you know Perilla's there just helping me prepare like, tomorrow's my last sparring day so um he like helped push me and you know it's just a good good energy i'm i'm really open my eyes to so many more things now this is an interesting revelation because for anybody looking at this fight on paper most people see it as if you know you get it to the mat just a matter of time but Ron, you know randa has that savvy she's got that grid and you know she's she's pretty darn good on the ground herself but do you feel because Randa has that name and is tough on the mat there that there could be a lot of striking here? Like, you know, maybe you su surprise some people and, and and knock knock somebody out on, on next Saturday night. Is is, is that well, what you're thinking? That this could be a lot of punching and kicking here? Definitely. I mean, I definitely don't wanna um like risk take too many chances standing up, you know, even if I'm feeling great standing up, um, you know, you just need to hit the spot and like to finish the fight. You know, I definitely feel a hundred percent more comfortable on the ground, but I definitely see a knockout could be possible because what's more surprising than a jiu-jitsu girl like knocking out like all of a sudden got that power and has like the right technique and you know just everything hits the right spot so um it definitely can be a big surprise I think to people um if I'm able to knock out the fight and I think it's definitely a big possibility um and I know that Ronda is going to come <laughs> to try and, and finish me too. So it, it could, I don't know. She, I don't know if she want to go to the ground. So, it, hey, I'm trying so much my wrestling. I'm trying um, really to get my takedowns way better. But um, if, if she just keeps defending, keeps defending, this keeps defending, I'm not scared to be standing up either and definitely can be, will be dangerous for sure. Do you feel either way that people are going to be like, wow, Mackenzie Dern's stand-up has gotten so much better? <laughs> 100%. I definitely think people are going to see that. Like, from just from my fight, like, with Amanda Rebus, where I'm kind of, like, you know, a little bit, I don't know, not, like, getting punched to the face, you know, and I think people who watch that fight will kind of just see Mackenzie kind of, like, you know, not going forward and not too much confident to, like, now um, they're going to see the striking are totally different. And I think they saw a little, I mean, it wasn't a lot in the Hannah Cyphers, you know, we didn't have that much striking, but I think at least from what Bisping and DC would say, like, oh, yeah, she has some sharp hands, you know. I think now it's going to be even more, um, like, easy for people to see, like, oh, yeah, she's getting really better, too, you know. So hopefully people will start to see me, like, all-around fighter and think, like, man, I want to get, like, five stars on the on the UFC game and everything like that. So. <laughs> so you're, I mean, you're in the top 15 now, like you mentioned. Where do you think a win over someone like Randa Marcos, especially if you could put her away, where does that put you in this division? Oh, I, I don't know, you know, because I until today I don't understand like a hundred percent the rankings, you know. So I don't know like what exactly they they look at like the the person you're fighting or how you finish and stuff like that. I don't I don't know exactly their criteria, 
But man, if it puts me like to top 10, hey, that's awesome, you know, or at least puts me in the spot to fight someone in the top 10, then I'm, I'm happy, you know. So um, I think definitely if I get a knockout or submission, uh, they'll, they'll, I hope that they'll think like, okay, she, she's coming, you know, she's just coming up and, and she's like, like I said, going up like this. So we'll see. <laughs> well, you're not alone. I don't think a lot of people understand the rankings. So I think you're, we're, we're, we're in the same boat here. You, yeah. you mentioned Amanda Hebas. She's obviously been making a lot of noise these days. And from all indications, it looks like she's very close to putting pen to paper to fight Carla Sparza in December. What have you made of her, her quick rise? Because I'm sure at some point, sure you'd like to get that one back down the road um i mean i don't know i think that she's um doing her fights and she's she's uh on a good uh on a good run you know she's in undefeated in the ufc so that's that's hey that's the momentum you need you know it's just to keep going to keep going i don't know if she's four or five fights i think without losing but i know i'm trying to get you know my my victories back going and We'll see. We'll see if we meet each other one day for the belt again or something like that. You know, definitely. I know she's a tough girl. She's going to give a lot of problems to a lot of the girls in the division. And man, there's nowhere to run. You know, you have Tatiana Suarez, who's undefeated. You know, we have so many tough girls. So definitely, I think as the as we start climbing the ranks, we're going to start to see harder and harder fights, harder matchups, you know, Um but yeah, I mean, I think Paige Van Zandt too, she, she went off to the bare knuckle, you know, she did uh whatever was good for her you know her thing so i'm excited to see what comes for Paige, what comes for amanda what comes for carla you know and definitely what comes for me so we'll see i'm i'm excited and i think that she's doing good i'm not going to ask you about the weight cut per se because i think you've answered those questions but i know for a <laughs> <Yeah>. fact <laughs> I, I i'm listen i can tell by looking at you that that, that you're in you're in a good place right now but I can assure you, you're going to get a million questions about the weight cut on fight week. It just is what it is. Is this just frustrating for you at this point? Because you made it your last two fights. You looked in pretty good spirits for both of those. Can we just declare for all to see right now to all of my fellow colleagues and media members? Can you just say, don't ask me about the damn weight cut. I'm good. I'm going to make it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm 119 today, this morning. So, I mean, that's um, like four pounds, you know, from 115, three pounds from the 116. So, yeah, I mean, you guys can ask, but man, just stop commenting, stop saying like, oh, she's not going to make it, she's not going to make it. Don't worry, I'm going to make it and I'll probably have like, you know, I don't know, maybe ice cream before the night before, you know, I don't know what's going on. My weight's just going like, it's just responding so well, you know, from the pregnancy. Honestly, I think it's from the pregnancy. Again, I say this like every fight since my pregnancy, I still want to get the strength more and more and more. Um, I still, I'm not where I want to be a hundred percent strength wise. I just, because Corona and like the jeans, everything's cool. You know, it's just hard to get, I really want to like weights, you know, like get bulk up. Um, but yeah, I feel good. I'm feeling like even stronger and more in more leaner or leaner. I think leaner than my last fight. Um, so yeah, my weight's awesome. And yeah, please guys, you don't need to um, question my weight anymore. You know, I know I understand I've had three missed weights in my career. So I know, and my last one in Rio was, uh, was a lot, you know, so I understand people are going to hold it against me for a while, but, um, like Colby, he made like a meme about me on that fight. So that's why I'm like, man, just 
stop talking about my weight, you know, talk about whatever, talk about COVID, talk about whoever, you know, but not about my weight, please. <laughs> Get, talk about like anything, but not my weight. <laughs> 119, you're, you're going to make weight before you like get off the plane at this yeah, point. I need to eat. Otherwise, I'm, I'll am i be too light. That's like really what, I, what we're doing. You know, I mean, like when I whenever I finish the training, if I see my weight's down too low, I'm like eating a little more, you know. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know why. I'm I'm hoping that like, of course, I stopped breastfeeding for my last fight because Moa, she couldn't go to the to Vegas with me. So that was like basically the, the cutoff that we stopped. So that was in May. I don't know if the hormones, when they start to, you know, balance out, if things will change. But, man, I'm eating good. I'm eating, you know, like, secretly I'm eating, like, some ice cream sometimes, you know, and stuff like that. I'm eating a lot. I'm not eating, like, little stuff. I, I asked um, Charles from the from Trifecta, from the UFC, you know, to send me some protein, some creatine to, like, build bulk up, you know. So I'm taking these things that are, like, they say retain water and stuff like that. It's just... I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but it's. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm yeah, feeling we can good. tell. It's a different thing to be able to fight and not worry about uh, your weight. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. You look <laughs> in a in a great place right now. Obviously, I think we're all looking forward to this fight. It's a good test for you on the on the way up, like <laughs> like you said in yep. this 115 pound division. But uh, it's been a crazy camp for you. It sounds like so. I'm sure you're just ready to get in the octagon and and just fight at this point but uh but thank you for the time mackenzie all the best to you next weekend and, and safe travels yeah thank you so much i appreciate it it's a great fight this saturday good test for mackenzie dern thank you big thank you to her for her time and uh you know as, as you've seen if you've been following random marcos's career when she's coming into a fight off of a loss not only does she win she likes to surprise some folks as well so it should be a lot of fun on september 19th as we move ahead and listen in a world that is oftentimes negative, there's no more positive way to wrap up any kind of a show than to do so with the nicest MFR champion of the universe. So let's check in and see what Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is up to right now. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson back on the show. A lot going on in the welterweight division. So I thought, you know what? Let's check in with the nicest MFR champion of the universe himself. Stephen, good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. Always a pleasure to be on with you, my friend. Always have a good chat and a good time. So I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. So how's things going in South Carolina? We were talking a little bit off air. You said Upstate Karate is is just bursting at the seams right now. Everybody wants oh, to come in and learn. Everybody's wanting to come in, man. I mean, we got, you know, you know, kids are coming back. You know, I, well, first off, kids are are allowed to go to school. I think twice a week. So when they're not in school, you know, parents. A lot of these parents that are working full time can't be at home all the time. So we have an e-learning uh, thing going on at our gym. So my brother and, and a bunch of other teachers are there helping them out, at, opening up at 7 a.m., helping these kids with their homework. They know not to bring me in to help any of these kids with their homework. So I and the gym teacher <laughs> and the lunch teacher, the two subjects I was the best at in school, gym and lunch. <laughs> so that's what I do. But, yeah, everything's getting back to normal slowly but surely. So let me ask you a question because I'm, I'm curious about this because I had an interesting conversation with my wife about this specifically. So I don't know if you've if you've watched Co – have you watched Cobra Kai yet? Have I watched Cobra Kai? OK. I've First off, Karate Kid was one of my all-time favorite movies growing up. And for them to come back, I love it because you know the 80s is kind of coming back, right? Like right. the whole 80s vibe. You got that with Stranger Things. I love the freaking 80s movie. I like the whole 80s vibe it still has. And 
you know, not caring what people think about them and just saying what you want to say. It's it's hilarious. I mean, and it still has kind of like that cheesy, you know, martial arts vibe to it as well. You know what I mean? Kind of like cheesy. And that's the what the whole Karate Kid was about growing up. You know, uh, it was cool. It was it just makes karate cool again. I, I love it. Have you seen an uptick in memberships because of that? Because like my wife is going is is through the show like the I think like season two the fourth time around. She signed up for a martial art for Okinawa karate today for a three month program. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, oh, you're doing it. She goes, she goes, yeah. She goes, after watching Cobra Kai, like if something happens in the parking lot, I won't be able to kick some butt. Dude, that is so cool. I was so happy. I I don't know. We're getting a lot of kids coming in, brand new kids. Like we literally had like 15 new kids started this week. And I got to ask them, it it might be because of Cobra Kai because it's on Netflix now. Yep. So, I, I, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Um, Cobra Kai's making karate cool again. I love it, man. And your wife started. That's hardcore. She starts tomorrow. First tell class I tomorrow said, night. Tell I said, kick some behind. All right, <laughs> train hard. I will tell her that. So let's let, let, let's talk about you because I mean, there's there's so much exciting stuff going on in your world. There's a lot going on at 170 pounds. But more importantly than that, how's everything going with you? I guess in your quest to return to fighting, whenever that opportunity may arise. I know, man. It, it everything's good. Like everything's good. Uh, my injuries are healed up. Like it kind of took a weird turn. You know, I ended up break, break. I broke my hands my last fight. Last almost last year. I mean, it's almost it's almost been a year since I fought. Um, November uh, broke my hands. You know, it took forever for the things to heal. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. <laughs> I don't like to think that, but you don't get good circulation in your hands anyway. So it just takes longer to heal. And then you know, I was looking to make a comeback you know, May, June, and then, then COVID hits, you know, and then everything's shutting down. And, and then I had Chris Weidman come into town. He spent a lot of his camp with us and, uh, he ended up picking me up and dumping me on my freaking head. And I dislocated like my collarbone. Right. So like my, every time I throw a punch or fall down, my collarbone would kind of rub across my, my breastplate. It was super painful. And then, but you know what? Everything's fine now. I, I'm on a quest right now. I'm, 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 I don't know who I'm going to fight, but I am ready. I am itching at the bits to step back out there and do it again for the fans, for myself, for, every, for you, man, for you, and for Cobra Kai. <laughs> and for Cobra Kai. That's right. William Zapka <laughs> needs to see you fight. William Zapka, exactly. Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence needs some Wonder Boy right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. So good thing Chris won his fight after dumping you like that. Oh, I know. I know. And you know what? It's, it's funny because – you know, he, he starts off the fight moving like me, like everybody. Oh, he's looking like Wonder Boy out there. I'm like, God, please. Like, you know, because whenever he, uh, you know, I think he lost to Luke Rockhold, he threw a spin kick. And everybody blamed me for it. <laughs> What'd you do? Uh, that wasn't my fight. I didn't teach him that. But he started moving around and, and you know, he kind of reverted back to his old, his, his way he normally fights, right? That just grinding mentality, um, his wrestling. And the guy that he fought was just, he said he was the strongest dude. That he has faced, uh, and the guy was huge. He used to fight in my weight class. Yeah, I think he got beat by Gunnar Nelson, and he said he was so strong. And of course, you know, you know that being, it's been a while since he's fought with the next surgeons and things like that. You kind of get out of the swing of things, and it was kind of like a do or die fight for him. You know, he had to go out there and perform and and you know win this fight. So there's a lot of stress going along with it. But I was very glad to see him go out there with that and and and. and beat this guy you know what i mean the old chris wyman going out there even though he got tired in the second round he come back in the third round just 
gung ho, you know, like he wasn't even tired. So I'm proud of a man for sure. Getting that win, getting that W and his mind's right. He's now a Southerner. Yes. Moved to South Carolina. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he's slowly talking like this. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he's living about an hour and 30 minutes away from me. He's still in South Carolina, Fort Mill area, which is in between Charlotte and us. So he's got family in Charlotte, family here, and he wanted to kind of be close enough to both. So he's right smack dead in the middle on the South Carolina side. So very cool. I'm glad. Yeah, now you don't have to go all the way to to New York to to see him. You just drive, get in the car, and drive an hour and a half. It's beautiful. I know it. I love it. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'm just gonna drive out there this weekend and say what's up. You what's up, y'all? You better open your doors. I'm I'm coming in. I'm coming in. You cannot go get rid of me now. <laughs> say what's up, and then get back in the car and go home, and yeah, just do yeah, it like that. See ya. So, I mean, so much has happened since we last spoke. We spoke right before UFC 251. It was uh, Usman versus Mazadal in the main event. Usman retains his title. And the fight went the way most expected it to, you included. You came on the show and you said, I'm a Mazadal fan all the way because of where it could lead to. But you said, listen, I'm going with Usman. I just feel like his wrestling is going to be too much. What did you make of Usman's performance? And more importantly, I guess... It wasn't viewed very positively amongst the fan base, but you know, a win is a win. You get you had to defend your title and make that money, right? Exactly, exactly. But the thing is, you know, Usman is not the type of guy to go out and you know with a spectacular knockout. He's just, he's never been that. I think he's got maybe one or two. I'm not sure what his record is, but he doesn't have a whole lot. And he's a wrestler, right? He he's a wrestler, and that's what he does best. That's what got him the title. He uses his striking. And to get you guys, get his opponent up against the fence, and he grinds him out, right? And it's so, you know, he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. You know, um, Masvidal, I thought he was going to be, I thought, you know, I knew Masvidal has made some improvements, and he defended the majority of the of the takedowns against Usman, which surprised me. Him being a smaller, uh, 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 you know, a smaller welterweight, he defended the the takedowns fairly well and i know he kind of fatigued there at the end i know he was coming on to this fight but you know uh kind of last minute um but i thought i thought masvidal did a spectacular job a really good job and i think with a proper camp he could go out there and really take it to uh uzman for sure but uh i knew Usman was gonna go out there and kind of do what it you know does what he does best went out there grinding him out but i was surprised for both of them uzman did exactly what i thought he was gonna do and Masvidal surprised me with how well he defended the takedown. So now, so since then, now we got Covington versus Woodley next week. We got Usman versus Burns at the end of the year. We got Masvidal Diaz two likely to happen in January. So there's a lot going on. But one piece of I business, wanted the Masvidal fight. <laughs> if he won, you know, he's I know got that power. He could have still like, called for man. it. Win, win. I was just hoping just for like an upset, just something crazy, another flying knee. But no, it didn't happen. But. You know what? I'm, I'm not giving hopes up. Um, as of right now, I'm opponentless. I hear Nick Diaz wants to come back. I just threw out there, hey, Nick. I mean, yeah, Nick. But, you know, let's let's break it down. I welcome you back to the welterweight division with open arms, sir. I would love to, in the nicest way possible, the NMF way, <laughs> right? And then you got you know Leon Edwards, who I think is the scariest dude in the division. I don't care what people said. People are saying the guy has improved so much with his takedown, his jujitsu. He's out grappling grapplers. You know, you saw what he did to RDA, and he also did the same thing to to, uh, to uh, Vicente Luque. You know, he came into the UFC as striker, and he's a great striker at that. He, you know, he just gets better every day. 
uh, and that's a scary guy. You know what I'm saying? He can knock you out. He can take you down as well. So, and those are the fights that I like. You know, I like to fight those kind of guys because it lets me know where I'm at, right? And I love the the whole game of trying to figure somebody like that out. Same thing with uh, Rory McDonald. So I think Leon Edwards would be a great fight too. I know he's he's got his eyes set on the title, which I think he right, rightfully deserves. You know, uh, he's got more wins than just about anybody in the top five. You know, back to back. I mean, he's on that crazy winning streak. But I know he's looking for that. I know he wants the Masvidal fight. It's a, and you know, I think everybody's got beef with Masvidal except for me. I love Masvidal. <laughs> I love that guy. But you know, the, the three piece in a soda. You know, he, he pieced him up with. I know that would that would be a money fight for sure. But I don't have a fight. He ain't got a fight. Let's make it happen, Nick. I know you want to come back. I'll be ready for November. Let's make it happen. So and it, it's kind of up in the air with Nick. I know he said a few years back, or you know, I think a year or two ago, that he was going to come back, but he never did. So I know we did an interview with Arahuani, who said he would never come back. You know, let everybody believe that he's probably never going to come back. But we'll see. I don't know why he would do that weight cut, but it looked great, one seventy five. Yeah, I was just I was just going to ask you because ever since this news came out, friends of mine who are fans of the sport, friends and friends of mine who are very casual fans of the sport, have all called me, have all texted me, and they said. Nick Diaz is coming back. And I'm like, yeah, so? Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, listen, one one of my colleagues on one of the shows I host said it beautifully. He goes, the most ironic thing in MMA is that the guy who brought out the term wolf tickets has sold more of them than anybody else in the sport right now. And he's talking about Nick. Do you believe that he's going to come back? Like, did was that video enough for you to believe it? No, I don't think it's enough for me to believe it. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. When it's a set and done fight, then I'll believe it, you know, because he said several times that he's coming back. And, and uh, you know, yeah, he, he's a great fighter. He's like GSP. He's a lifelong martial artist. So I know when he if he does come back, what kind of tricks he's got up his sleeve? Or is he going to be the same fighter as he was before? So I'm anxious to see if it's possible, what is something different he's going to bring to the table? Because everybody around him, you know, has improved. The game has changed a little bit since the last time he's fought. Has he made the changes as well? But uh, I'll believe it when I see it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at the point where he needs to be in the octagon, getting introduced by Buffer, and then the door yeah. shuts, and then the punches are thrown. I believe it. And then it. I'll be like, yes, there he is. He's back. He's officially uh, I'm back. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. 100%. I feel like the Edwards fight is a no-brainer. Like, I, yeah. I, I know you did an interview, interview with, the, with the great dudes from Submission Radio. Um, it seemed like you took a different approach kind of in that conversation, but – I feel like you and Leon is the fight to make, and I think he kind of agrees with that too. The only other option for Leon is that he waits for Usman versus Burns, but, I mean, that could be like March, April of next year. I don't think he wants to wait that long. I don't think so either, but either way, you know, it's it's like to the point where, hey, and I've kind of been in that situation too. I am right here. I am right here. I'm this close of winning the title, right? Do I take another fight and possibly lose, right? That will take that chance away. So I know what, where he's kind of coming from and kind of frustrated. If he if he does want to fight somebody, he wants a money fight, which is why I think he's calling out Masvidal. Masvidal is like the she, the bee's knees right now. You know, the she is like, – I didn't say it. I <laughs> didn't say it. You thought I was like, going to say it. You thought I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You did. But, uh, you know – He's the bee's knees right now, and everybody wants to fight him, which is understandable. The guy's been in the game for a long time, and he's busting heads. So, I, which I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know. I know it doesn't make sense for Masvidal to fight Nick again. I mean, Nate, 
I thought he destroyed Nate. You know, I thought it was a, a good stoppage. You know, um, I think if it went on any longer, Mazadal was just, was going to just knock him out cold. You know, I, and um, I don't understand why they would make that happen again because he just hands down just dominated him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just I can't believe Leon Edwards versus Masvidal hasn't been booked already. I mean, at this point, like, That's how can you even sell? Like, you could show the video of the three pieces in the soda, but I feel like so much time has passed at this point that, yeah. it, like, you almost have to run it back again in, in, in a locker room somewhere around the world to, like, yeah. bring that back out, you know? Exactly, exactly. But he's, like, right there, so I kind of understand where he's coming from. But you know what? If he wants to, If he wants to stay fresh, if he wants another fight between now and then, I'm here. I'm here, Leon Edwards. If you want to do it, let's do it. I know we're managed by the same management company um, and things like that, but you know, I, I respect the guy. I've never actually – I think I've met him maybe one time. I don't think we've ever actually talked to each other, to be honest with you. But uh, super, super high-level fighter. I like the guy, to be honest with you. I like the guy. Um, and no, and everybody that I've talked to in a management company you know, has nothing but good things to say. But uh, yeah, man, if he's looking for a fight – I'm here waiting <laughs> at the gym at Upstate Karate in South Carolina in my meditative position waiting. Phone's on. <laughs> the phone is yeah, on. Yeah. So okay, a, few, a few more things. I, I know Covington versus Woodley's coming up next weekend in Vegas. Tyron's been in a slump, but if there's any fight that this guy's going to get motivated for, it's going to be this one. And from everything that I've heard, Tyron looks like – the old Tyron. He looks really good. He brought Mazadal out to St. Louis to help him out. Yes, we I haven't, was about to say that. We haven't seen anything from Colby's side like since this fight was official. He's keeping things quiet. He's keeping things underground. It's an interesting matchup. You've been in there with Tyron for almost an hour in your career. Like, what do you think of this fight? I am really excited. I'm I'm ready to see my man Tyron Woodley go out there and finish this guy. You know, you know, you got the guys you love to like, and you got your guys you love to hate in the sport. And I think Colby Covington, he has made it. The, he's made it himself to be the unlikable guy. Right. Um, you know, it was the whole beef of the gyms that he was going to him and Mazadal were friends. Now they don't like each other. Now you got Mazadal, the BMF, going up to help Tyron finish Colby Covington. Um, I think it's great. And from what I hear, Tyron is ready to rock. And I think it was kind of an eye opener. His last fight, and I was watching some interviews and seeing him on, on Instagram and stuff like that. He was fired up for that as well. He's fired up. And when he went out there, I think he took that shot in the first round. You know, um, he kind of went downhill from there. But um, I think he's rekindled that flame a little bit. And like I said, if you're going to get motivated for a fight, it's going to be a guy like Colby Covington. So I'm excited to see it. I'm rooting for my man, Tyron Woodley. Um, you know, he's 38 years old. He's a year older than me. And that kind of motivates me. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a young 37-year-old. I can still fight the best of them. You know, I'm still improving every day, and I know he is too. So that's who I'm rooting for. I, I think it. it's going to be a fun fight. There's going to be some smack, I think, in the octagon, outside the octagon, whatever. But uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, for sure. It's going to be a fun fight weekend. I like hearing you say young 37-year-old because right here with you, buddy. Right here with you. <laughs> Are you 37? 37. February of Let's 1983, go. bro. Booyah. So we're close, right? Your February, your February birthday too, right? February 11th, yeah. I'm a, you're a day older than me. Shut up. You're February 10th. 12th. What? February 12th. Yep. You're That's a day awesome, older than dude. me. I mean 12th. Excuse me. 12th. Yeah. K- kindred yeah. spirits in so many ways. Yeah. Let's go. High five. Uh. Boom. One, one, <laughs> <laughs> one other name I want to get your opinion on 
is Hazmat Shemaev because we haven't heard much from him since Fight Island. How, how do you say that again? How do you say ha- Hazmat Shemaev? Hazmat. Okay. Pushing him like crazy. And I know he's got, what, two fights booked? He's got Mearshart like, next week and then Damian yeah. Maya in November. Wow. Wow. I mean, this dude, this dude, hey, bro, the way he was out there finished course, I don't know who the guys he was fighting, but the dude's tough, man. He's like a 170 Khabib, right? He's just a grinder. Um, I would love to see how he's going to do against some of the the, the top tier guys, right? Yeah, the UFC is pushing him, but you got to kind of be careful. Yeah, he's very confident, which which he's a young guy, um, and that confidence comes with it. But you also got to look back. You know, these guys, are, you know, the UFC can push you a little too fast, and if you're not careful, you know, um, you could go out there and have that confidence. Next thing you know, with somebody with, with some really good experience, can put you away. Um, I think the fight with uh, him, him and Damian Mayan was going to be very interesting. Two grapplers, yeah. Damian Mayan's a lot older, and I think he's kind of coming down, fr- uh, you know, from where he was before. You know, kind of working his way. I think he's got one fight maybe left on his contract. I think yeah. I'm not sure. One fight, and this is it. So uh, hopefully, you know, he'll go. He'll go out there, and we'll see the best of Damian Mayan in his last fight. But. Uh, Cause Matt is is a tough dude. I haven't seen. I don't remember going going back and watching his striking. I think it's. I think he's kind of like a baby. Uses strikes for the wrestling, right? He uses it to get it to grind his guys, grind his guys out. But um, yeah, interesting to see how he's going to do with these top tier guys. And it's interesting to see how fast the UFC is pushing and how hard they're pushing this guy. So um, definitely, a, you know, a tough dude. So a guy you got to keep your your eyes on for sure. Yeah. Somebody like me, especially, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The Mearshart fight super interesting because Mearshart's got like almost 50 fights in his career. He's a tough yeah. out. Tough out. Man. And, and how old is he? 30s. in his 30s. Low 30s. He's just been super active over the years. And he's what? He's from what? Russia? Mearshart is uh, – he's like a Wisconsin guy. He's, he's Wisconsin guy. He's in St. Louis right now with Woodley. They're finishing up camp together because they're both oh, like wow. Rufus Sport yeah. guys. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay, yeah, man, I'm, I'm 50 fights. That's ridiculous. 50 MMA fights? He's got 40. This will be his 45th or 46th fight coming up. Man, to have that, I mean, that's a lot of MMA fights right there. You know, I, can, I'm, I came in the game fairly late. I know how brutal this game is. He must be a really just durable guy. You know, maybe he's dense. I don't know. But uh, I feel like I'm falling apart sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I translate, oh, my hip, oh, my, my collarbone. You know, but uh, hey, man, good for him, dude. I'm I'm glad to see him. Hopefully, he goes out there and makes the guy work. You know, just make some work. Let make him think twice and kind of humble him a little bit. I like to see guys with you know, I like to see with confidence, but not over the top confidence. You know, and you like to see those guys get humbled a little bit. But um, can't can't take this guy lightly. No. Oh, Last thing before I let you go, you give me a few more minutes than than I asked you for. I appreciate that very much. Right. How hard did you laugh when you when you saw that? Uh, think twenty twenty has been hard for you. Look what it's done for Wonder Boy, and it was a picture of a crying <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> Bro, I laughed so hard. <laughs> for there, I did the double take. I'm like, what? Wait, is that? That's not me. What the? I thought it was me for a second, like a terrible picture. I laughed so hard, man. And then I reposted it, and it got crazy. It was hilarious, man. I think it went viral there for a second. But yeah, I, I laughed so hard because you know. It's funny because it's kind of, I mean, if you, if you look at me, if you look at it like this, it <laughs> maybe look like me, but 
my gosh, Ellen DeGeneres. I thought it was hilarious. Whoever put that together, I need to like high five them or something. I thought it was funny, man. Virtual high five if you're watching right now. Yeah, virtual high five if you're watching. Oh, f by the way, wh where can we find all of your wonderful YouTube videos? Oh my goodness, yes, check it out. And we got some really cool, cool ones coming up. I did one last week. It was UFC fighter against a taser. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? I haven't watched it yet, Go but it's bookmarked. Check it out. It's awesome. It's awesome. USC fighter versus taser. A lot of fun. But, you know, I break down fighters. I break down my techniques um, uh, for, for, you know, people who are fans. And I have mindset videos as well. Um, go check it out. It's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. And you guys can, you know, I'm on Instagram, uh, Wonderboy MMA, Twitter, Wonderboy MMA, Facebook, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So come and check me out that's all i got to say and of course this guy right here obviously thank you for everything man i always, I always love chatting with you and there you have it another edition of what the heck is in the books big shout out and a whole bunch of appreciation sent to all of our guests this week always a pleasure to talk with these amazing athletes these phenomenal men and women of our sport as we put a bow on another episode of the show. Big thank you to Casey Lydon on the production as always, Esther Lynn on the graphics, and of course, to all of you watching and or listening to the program every week. It means the world. And with that, I am Mike Heck saying so long, everybody. And as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. Vox Media Podcast Network.